good morning again. Um, I just am so thankful for all the students that were serving up on stage earlier. But here's the truth of the matter and, and something that maybe some of you don't understand or realize is that we have students that serve in all the areas of our church regularly, uh, whether it's in kids ministry, grade school, whether it's uh, even on stage, whether it's back in the student ministry helping me out. And so uh, I just want to reiterate what Casey said is if you have the uh, ability and are willing to do it, please fill out one of those cards, sign up. Don't let the students make you look bad, okay? <laughs> All right. Uh, my name is Caleb, uh, Caleb Klinger. I am the student director here at Westside Family Church. And uh, it being Student Sunday, I'm obligated to preach and wear shoes. So here I am. Um, I was thinking that maybe I should have asked one of my uh, students to co-teach. So, Cora, come on up. No, I'm just, I'm just. <laughs> <laughs> you have the look on her face. She was like, oh, no, uh, I'm not going to do that to you yet, Cora, maybe in a, maybe in a few years. But um, if you see a student serving today, make sure you say hi, encourage them, give them a fist bump. Uh, I am just proud of our student ministry and how they engage in our church family and how they are willing to give their talents, their gifts uh, to the church. So today we are in this series called Messiah. We are surveying the book of Matthew and uh, specifically we're looking at the, the message that Matthew was writing to the Hebrew people and why he was writing this to the Hebrew people, why he was trying to convince them of who Jesus was, the, the claims that Jesus made about himself and and the prophecies that Jesus fulfilled in the Old Testament. And so our series big idea is this. Jesus is the sovereign king who reveals God to us and brings us into the kingdom of God. Jesus is the sovereign king. Jesus is this Messiah figure that was prophesied to the nation of Israel who is to bring about a revolution in Israel. And Matthew is writing this gospel to convince the nation of Israel that Jesus was indeed the Messiah, the sovereign King and Lord, who we all need to turn to and to give our lives. And his gospel account actually starts really interesting to me. It's, it starts with the genealogy of Jesus, which is to prove that Jesus was of the line of David, that Jesus was of the, the people of Israel through Abraham. And then Matthew talks about his baptism and how Jesus went into the desert to be baptized by John the Baptist. And immediately after that, he's led by the Spirit into the wilderness where he fasts for 40 days and is tempted by Satan. And we're picking up right after that event because what happens next is Jesus begins his ministry. And so as Matthew records this progression, we see that Jesus began his ministry on earth by preaching, but specifically by preaching a, a message of repentance. When we look at that, I think there is a distinction that, that jumps out of the page to me, and it's a distinction that to me reveals the heart of God. You see, Jesus came to establish the kingdom of God by preaching repentance. His whole goal, his whole mission was to bring about this kingdom of God. But he did it by preaching repentance. Matthew 4, 17 says, From that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. 
You see, the Messiah was the promised one who was promised to the people of Israel to establish the kingdom of God on earth. And most Hebrews, most Israelites at this time, believed that it meant it was a physical kingdom, that the Messiah would establish a physical kingdom, a physical reign and rule of the kingdom. But look at what Jesus preaches first. His ministry starts with repentance. And I think it really reveals to us what the priority of God is, our hearts. That Jesus came and and preached repentance because our hearts and our mind are his top priority. See, God's kingdom advances when the Holy Spirit changes the hearts and minds of humanity. That's how the kingdom of God spreads. That's how the kingdom of God is established on earth through the transformation of our hearts and our minds. You see, this version of the Messiah was a foreign concept to most of the Israelites because they were looking for a political ruler. They were looking for a military ruler. They were looking for someone who was going to overthrow the subjugation of Rome, someone who was going to reestablish the glory of Israel, the military might of David, the splendor and wealth of Solomon. They were thinking that the Messiah was going to expand the borders of Israel and establish Israel as the preeminent state in the world. But God had a different plan, and God often does subvert our expectations. We see that Jesus did not conquer humanity to serve in his kingdom. He invites us to follow him. Jesus didn't come as a conqueror, as a political ruler. Jesus didn't come as a military strategist. He came with an invitation. And this was not what was culturally expected of the Messiah. You see, God often doesn't come in a way that we expect him. And Jesus was no exception to this. In fact, Jesus begins his his ministry preaching and establishes himself as a rabbi in the nation of Israel. Now, in the rabbinical culture of the day, a rabbi would collect and invite people to be his disciples. And most often, a rabbi would try to find people in the temple courts, people that were learned, people that were educated, people that, that had status in the community, people that had wealth, right? They wanted to collect people that that were viewed very highly around them in order to elevate themselves. But what's interesting is that we see Jesus actually invites a very different type of disciple. When we look at uh, Matthew 4, 18 through 22, we see Jesus inviting fishermen. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately, they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. And he called them immediately. They left the boat and their father 
and followed him. You see, Jesus' invitation to the men who would become his 12 disciples has always had a profound effect on me because Jesus did not call the people that were culturally acceptable to be a great rabbi's disciples, but he did call people who were willing to respond to his invitation immediately. He called people that were ready and willing to drop everything that they knew, everything that was familiar, everything that was comfortable for them and follow him. It's not a, a, a stretch of the imagination to say that Peter and Andrew and James and John were inculcated in the culture of fishing, right? In that day and age, if your father did a trade, you became the same trade. And so maybe Peter and Andrew came from a long line of fishermen. In fact, James and John were with their father in the boat. So Zebedee was a fisherman. This was something that they had grown up in, something that they were so familiar with, something they were so comfortable with. But there's a word that just really sticks out to me in this. Immediately. Immediately, they left everything behind to follow Jesus. When we accept his invitation to leave our old lives behind, we turn towards him and walk with him, that is the moment, though, we begin to change. You see, Jesus' invitation to his kingdom invites us to change who we are and what we do. Jesus' invitation is an invitation to change our purpose in life. Look at what he says in verse 19. He says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. He says, I'm going to change the whole paradigm of your life. I am going to change everything about you in order for you to become the people that I need for my kingdom. See, Jesus makes us into what his kingdom requires. We are invited we accept we follow him, then Jesus makes us into what his kingdom requires. All we need to do, all that is on us, the responsibility, is to accept his invitation and follow him. So then what does Jesus' invitation require of us? Well, we can see what it required Peter and Andrew, James and John. We see what it took for them to follow Jesus. They left everything behind immediately. They left their nets. They left their family. They left everything that they had known in order to follow Jesus. When we look through the gospel accounts, we see other accounts of Jesus either inviting people to follow him or people saying that they were going to follow him. And I want to highlight some that uh, we read about in Luke, in the chapter of Luke. Uh, chapter, or the book of Luke, chapter 9, verses 57 through 62. As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. This is initiated by this guy. He says, hey, I'm ready. I'm going to follow you wherever you go. Look what Jesus says. Jesus replied, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the son of man has no place to lay his head. This is a metaphor that says, if you follow me, you really want to follow me, you're going to be un." comfortable. 
you're not going to have a home. You're not going to have a pillow. You're not going to have a bed. I am a nomad. You are going to have dust on your feet. It is going to be uncomfortable. He said to another man, Jesus invites him, follow me. But he replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. And we read that and it's like, whoa, a bit harsh. But in the Greek, we understand that there is some subtext here that is talking about spiritually dead people burying physically dead people. It's this idea that, that you need to have a willingness to accept the life that Jesus has for you in order to accept his invitation. Still another said, continuing on, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. Jesus is saying, we don't look back at what's behind us. We press on. You focus on me. What happens if you look back when you're operating a plow? Your lines get squiggly. Jesus says, you have to have an incredible focus on me. Put me first in everything. What does his invitation require of us? What does his invitation require of you? The boldness to put everything else behind and put him first in your life. You see, following Jesus requires a willingness to sacrifice and put him first in everything. It requires a willingness of our heart to be willing to sacrifice our own desires, what we want, our own ambitions. Sometimes it might require sacrificing a relationship. Sometimes it might require sacrificing a job opportunity. Whatever it might be, we put him first. We must be ready and willing to turn away from our old life, turn towards him, find life in him, take his yoke upon us, which is his way of life, his rhythm of living, of working, of playing, studying, the way he relates to us and others, and we learn from him. We soak in everything good that God has to offer through his son, Jesus. And honestly, I believe this is what repentance looks like. When Jesus is preaching about repentance, he's saying, turn away from what's holding you back from putting me first. Turn away from everything that is holding you back, whatever area of life it might be, whatever it is that you are holding on to, turn away from it in order to put me first in everything. You see, repentance is reorganizing your priority. It's saying, in every aspect of my life, Jesus is first. That's what repentance is. Repentance is making Jesus first. That's our teaching big idea. That repentance, the repentance that Jesus was preaching is making Jesus first and following him. And so will you accept Jesus' invitation? Will you turn away from the selfish, the sinful desires 
that are pulling you away from the kingdom of God, that are holding you back from putting Jesus first in every area of your life. To find what he has in store for you, what he will make you into. How Jesus can transform your heart, your mind, so that his kingdom advances on this earth. Will you accept his invitation to become a disciple of him and to follow him in everything? The way that we respond, the way that we accept his invitation is through repentance. The way that we prayerfully respond to the invitation of Jesus is through repentance, by turning away from everything that is holding us back and putting him first. There's no other way to accept Jesus' invitation. He's calling us to follow him. He's calling me to follow him. He's calling you to follow him into new life, into something new that he's going to make you. He's going to transform your heart and your mind into what his kingdom requires. And so today I want to take some time for you, give you some time to just pray, to reflect on this invitation, to reflect on what is Jesus calling you to turn away from so he can be first in. Maybe it's just an area of your life that you've kind of boxed out Jesus. You've said, I'll give you all these other areas, but I just, I just don't know if you can be first in this area. Maybe you've just never actually thought about what Jesus' invitation is and what repentance is. And, and you need to just, for the first time in your life, say, Jesus, I want you to be first in my life. And so as the band is going to play for a few minutes, I just want you to take some time, bow your head, reflect as the prayer on the screen comes up. Father, I repent for not allowing Jesus to be first in all areas of my life.